Hello and welcome to the Brew Time Podcast. I'm your host Fiona and today I am talking to Lottie Unwin, founder of The Copy Club, which is a brilliant community. If you've not heard it, listen to this episode and check it out. It's some amazing experience as head of marketing from some wonderful brands and I'm really pleased to be able to draw on her experience, on her thoughts and wisdom in today's episode. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Please remember to sign up to the newsletter at the bottom of the show notes and yeah, enjoy. Right, we should thank you so, so much for doing this. And I have totally been stalking you online because I'm like, oh my goodness, this woman lives in <laughs> India, has started this like in-person networking. And I found you through um, Nick Parker, his newsletter, mm-hmm. when he did a talk to, for you. And I was like, why didn't I know about this when they first went freelance? Interesting. Okay, well, we'll have to talk about that afterwards. Um, but no, this is perfect. And I'm... I'm trying to think about how I can kind of raise the profile of the community and practice stuff like this. So actually when you were like, I know it's early days, I was like, that's perfect. Cause I'm going to mess it up. And so we can kind of learn it together. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I did one yesterday and I was like, I haven't got the faintest clue what I'm doing. And the woman I spoke to runs a podcast and at the end she's like, let me give you some hints and tips. I'm like, thank you. Okay. You're not going to get any hints and tips from me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> All right. So, Tell me in your own words how you started the Copy Club, where the idea came from and how it's grown into this amazing community. Um, okay, so I never knew that I was starting anything. I think that's the first thing, like there was no light bulb moment. This has just been an organic process that I have followed as opposed to driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had left... I started my career at Procter & Gamble doing like corporate, big business, brand management training, wearing a suit, wearing heels, kind of doing the whole like big Excel on PowerPoint, um, like overhead projectors. And then I left P&G to go and work at Propercorn and like move into the startup world. And I was kind of head of marketing there by job title, but like I didn't really know what that meant. And I was really young, like I was 24 and I'd had some corporate training for sure, but that was it. And I think I'd kind of been hired in as the expert and that was a bit of a stitch up. And so I felt like there was a lot of pressure. Um, and so I actually found those first six months and actually quite a lot of the time there really difficult, like really, really challenging. Um, and one of the things that was so hard was feeling really alone and feeling like you were expected to have all the answers, but you didn't. And you couldn't admit that you didn't know because your job was to know. So I just felt like just quite unhappy and and kind of under pressure and stuck. And so I started networking to try and find other people who were heads of marketing, who I could kind of bounce ideas off. Yeah. I went for a series of coffees. It was quite like an, like an aggressive approach to networking. Like I, I made an Excel sheet and like listed out all of the people I thought I could meet and kind of went through it all. But every conversation I had, I left feeling so much better. And kind of think what surprised me was how much better the people I was chatting to felt. Like they seemed to be kind of over, like surprised by how constructive it was for them too. Um, And then I, you know, and and I kept thinking that they were going to invite me to some sort of like Thursday night, you know, last Thursday of the month in a pub and they never did. 
So then I started a supper club to kind of introduce the people I'd been meeting and just booked a table at a restaurant once a month, a different restaurant thinking like, we'll have fun London food and we'll all get to know each other. And then that list started growing and growing. And that's kind of where it began. It's basically then just like a curve from there to where we are now. So um, there are moments along the way, like when we started doing breakfasts because the dinners were fun, but everyone was just getting pissed. I'm not talking about anything constructive. <laughs> so we did breakfast where we would talk about a particular topic and then we started getting speakers in. And then we opened it up because initially it was just for heads of marketing. I kind of, I mean, I'm already saying we, at the moment it was literally just me, at that point it was me on a Sunday night. Um, and then I kind of said, well, bring your team along, bring whoever you want. And then the list began to grow and grow. And then we put it in MailChimp because <laughs> running it off my email app made no sense. But it was, it was very, it's been very, very progressive the whole way through. And then in the last year or so, two years, I kind of have got a bit excited about what it could become. I feel like a vision has really crystallized. And now I feel like I'm super ambitious and driving it forward. But for for a long time it's just been my pet project like it was what I was doing on a Sunday while other people were in the pub. I love that and I love that um, this idea that all these other heads of marketing are all in the same position as you and just not knowing what the other brands are doing not knowing if they're what they are doing is right because that I can totally resonate with that because I did something very similar a record company and it was I was very young I was 24 and I, looking back I'm like that is a lot of responsibility for someone so young. Even now, I think that was a lot of responsibility for my age. But it, it, I just find that really interesting that you're, and I love the, the, the whole learning from each other aspect to it, which I think people need to do more of. And it doesn't feel like networking. It doesn't feel like you're going somewhere and seeing what you can get out of them, that skills exchange. Copy Club feels like, just everyone having a nice chat and a conversation well like it's interesting that, and really exciting to me that you kind of say that because that touches upon some like quite fundamental beliefs I have not in the world that sounds really grandiose but but I think the idea of networking is actually quite crass and um it assumes things like there is a hard divide between your work life and your personal life and actually, I'm really good mates with people I work with. And I talk to my mates about work. And I don't see that as a problem. I think that's a great thing that I love what I do. And that the people who are around me at work and in life are also interested in what I do. Um, so I hate the idea that networking is like professional hat on versus socialising, which is personal hat on and that they're completely different. And the idea in networking that you're effectively trying to get something mm. and as opposed to like your objective isn't just to turn up and be a nice person. Your objective is to get to like a further gain. And while all the tactics are like be a nice person while you're networking in order to get what you want. I, I just don't think we should be approaching things like that. I just don't think that's like kind spirited. And I think because that's the ethos and that's like the message that copy club puts out you're attracting those sort of people in that are you because I was when you had the whatsapp groups I was like oh this is a bit personal it's on my phone but there wasn't any of that sort of sleazy spammy stuff you get in facebook groups 
of someone saying, oh, I'm looking for someone and like 50 people piling on and saying how they're the greatest. What you actually got was, oh, you should use so-and-so that I use because they're really great and people have recommended each other. And it seems more, I won't say grown up and less like everyone fighting over the crumbs. And there was, there's no, there's no sleazy selling like. Yeah, well that again is, amazing that you feel that this is so exciting to like have it to be like ah maybe things are working um but one of the reasons why we started doing training events was that i was running development plans for my team so i come from this corporate world where personal development was really important and really valued which was a, a thing i really respected from big companies and then i went into a startup and i was managing a team and i really wanted to give that to my team so i kind of once a call to sit them down and be like we're going to talk about your development plan and obviously they had no idea what it was and that's fine. And it probably was a bit over the top, but I wanted them to have like concrete stuff they were doing to be learning, but we had no budget. And so they'd say, I want to learn more about influence marketing. And when it came to like, well, what are we actually going to do about it? It was quite difficult to write that list because all I could do is like send them a book I'd found on Amazon or maybe like call an old friend and be like, is there any chance you know, I can pay for coffees if you guys chat for an hour. But, but beyond that, it was read blogs or go to agency hosted events. And so much of the content landscape is, I mean, the entire content landscape is people trying to sell. Mm -hmm. And I got really fucked off with going to um, what was meant to be like a talk that was just like the most thinly veiled sales pitch where like the first 25 minutes would be someone's creds deck. And you're given a glass of wine and it's a free event, but you've basically been conned into attending a pitch. And like, I really felt conned. I was like, you've lied to me with a punchy headline to make me sit and watch your case studies. And that's not okay. And it's also not effective. Like I don't want to buy from you. I actually want to leave and I'm quite annoyed. Um, so I was finding like the, the training landscape cause it was just dominated by agencies doing business development, really uncomfortable. So for a long time, our rule was absolutely no selling. And that for a long time meant no agencies and no freelancers because I just didn't trust the conversation. So it was, it was just client side brand people who couldn't sell anything to each other. Yeah. Because they were only selling their own direct to consumer, like B to C products. Um, and that's like, we've let that, we've kind of in lots of careful ways, we've evolved beyond that. Um, and we have this thriving freelancer community, which is just fantastic. And it's actually ironically now, like one of the things I'm most proud of, and I think is most exciting. And it just shows how much these things become like organic beasts. Um, but the freelancer community is so dynamic. Um, and we have fantastic agency partners who offer invaluable advice to our members, but, but the, but they're, they're brought into the community quite carefully. Um, so that we can maintain that atmosphere. So that's, by design and it's amazing to hear that that it's kind of coming across i think you have done that so well because one of the things that i i've, I've totally like i'm ignoring my questions now <laughs> one of the things that i really love about coffee club and having been a freelancer for so long is that thing about personal development i've always worked for small companies and there was no there is no personal development plan as a freelancer you've got to pay for it yourself but with Copy Club, you can dip in and out of the things that interest you and learning how bigger brands do
do things is so helpful in understanding and it helps freelancers pitch to bigger brands it helps us take what other people are doing and take it to our clients and use what they've said as case studies it's just it's just really nice and really kind to be able to do that and I sit there and go I can't believe it's like 15 quid to go and hear how the brand manager of made.com how they do branding and how they have how their marketing works and I've got an interiors client and I'm like well I can take pieces of that and then apply it to a smaller company and and test it and see how it works it's just it's brilliant there was a question in there <laughs> it was more well, that's where the name comes from so one of my like ironic greatest regrets is calling us the coffee club but it's stuck now and it's never going to change um because I feel like once a week I have to explain that we're not just for copywriters which obviously we're like we're not really for coffee. I mean copywriters are welcome but I'm not sure how useful we are to copywriters um but it's inspired by um an old boss of mine who um was obsessed with shopping safaris so I used to work in fine fragrance Hmm. And she would say once a month, go shopping on work time, go to a category that you have never thought about before and come back and tell us what we can learn from it. So I remember going to the like, you know, those massive Tesco mega stores where there's like, no, it was literally like an aircraft hanger. I remember being in um, the water aisle, like where it's just floor to ceiling huge two liter water bottles and being like what can I learn about fragrance from this aisle like what like what yeah what can I take away from this like this is water in a bottle like in many ways there are huge similarities and like I got to some conclusion about shelf blocking or something whatever the conclusion doesn't really matter but like that intellectual exercise I am obsessed with the idea of thinking about a divergent category and challenging yourself to join up dots because I actually think that's where small scale innovation comes from like innovation with a small eye which is just like having a new idea yeah. um, and so this this theory of like copying being completely celebrated like let's not make that a dirty word let's make that a real like springboard like and, and be proud of it and be like yeah, I stole this from made.com. I saw it on a talk. I thought it was brilliant. So I'm just using it. Like, I don't understand why that's a problem. Um, and I think we should do that more. And I think people at made.com should be like chuffed. <laughs> and I think we should all be feeling pleased with ourselves because that's just hacked us loads of time. Absolutely. I can't agree more with that. I think we need to look to each other to see what everyone else is doing and test what works and doesn't work for you. I just want to go back to what you'd said about because um, you'd started off with breakfast and dinners for the mm -hmm. coffee club. How did you find transitioning to online? Because obviously, mm, great question. You've been in India, so I'm assuming because I, I found you at the start of uh, lockdown. Mm. So I don't know how much of coffee club was online before that point, but obviously you'd have to accelerate it through lockdown. And to me, I think this is a brilliant thing because I don't live in London. So, um, great question. Um, the Copy Club was not online at all until lockdown. 
you cannot tell at all. We never run a single webinar. Ironically, our um, like our work plan is a cork board in my flat in Delhi. And there's this post-it on it called launch webinars. And it literally just got moved. Like every month it got moved back into the like to-do pile. And we just never did it. And we were running events in London and we have a group of volunteer hosts who were like facilitating the event in person because I've been out of the, like in and out of the country for a few years. And, and also like, it doesn't make sense to me to be at all of them. It didn't for a long time, but I was just loyally turning up. And so now they, now they run themselves and then lockdown happened and we were about to launch a course. So we'd never run a course before. I don't know if you've been, we, we run these courses, which are like eight week, six week programs mm-hmm. um, on uh, like brand manager bootcamp or brand strategy bootcamp or copywriting 101 or like trying to solve the skills gap. Um, and so we were about to launch a course. I think it was like 24 hours before we first launched a course. And we were like, oh, we better do this online. Um, and we did. And we have literally never looked back. Like it is the best thing it was the best impetus to change that we could have imagined. And I completely agree with you. Like the benefits of being all online are just phenomenal in terms of like reach, in terms of like what we expect from our members. I now find the idea that I was asking someone to like run out of work, get on a sweaty tube, go to a comp- like a meeting room in someone's office to be given like maybe some crisps, to listen to someone talk, to spend another 45 minutes going back home, to get back like hungry, tired and late for supper. And have paid to come. I'm now like, if that had a value equation, then the world is mental. <laughs> so it's just been the best thing. And I think we will never, we, we will go back to some in-person events, but they will be completely transformed in nature. And they'll actually be, I think, current working hypothesis, but we'd love your thoughts. I think they'll be way closer to where we started. So we may have a dinner once a quarter. Mm. We might have a party. Um, we might like do cocktail making, but I don't think we're ever going to do training in person. I think that makes perfect sense. And I'm just sat here in utter awe that in the space of eight months, you've gone from solely being in-person events, transitioned to online, and built the app that Pete, that Copy Club now exists on in such a short space of time is absolutely monumental. Well, it was me on my own until last November. Oh my goodness. And I hired the world's most wonderful first team member and now have hired a small, most wonderful team. And it's just been such a joy to watch people run with this you've got such good talent for them to be able to pull that off yeah the team are just but but we're driven by our members like when you have members as delightfully demanding which we really encourage them to be like we literally want our members to be like gobby and sassy with us and like you know i need tenacious people saying guys, I really need a course on this next quarter because my team need to learn these things. Where is it? Because that's what drives us forward. We, ex- like, we exist to serve the members. And I feel really strongly about that. So we are completely kind of 
pushing this community like we're we're supporting the community we're not we're not the energy behind it the members are um and so i i think it's just been fantastic to have them as such a driving force that is amazing and so i'm just going to sit here and all like in that that the the speed at which you've grown knowing this because from the outside obviously you look like a well put together team that knows what you're doing but we don't see the background story we don't see like how fast you've adapted to the changes that the world's thrown at you this year and that's that's blooming amazing thanks <laughs> so nice to hear um it's really it's really lovely to take a step back um of course i only see how much more we have to do um, that's the other bit we can't see yeah exactly <laughs> well i don't know i don't know every time i chat to someone they come up with a million good ideas that i kind of want to want to run with um but i think it's a real product of a truly organic ethos like i think it really helps that i that it's not driven by a light bulb moment yeah i feel like that means that we're doing things in quite a different way internally i think that and, shows externally as well that you're doing mm. things differently yeah cool right one of the things i definitely want to talk yes. to you about is the fact that you give 10 percent of your membership fees away to charity and i want you to talk about the charity what it means to you because i know it's very personal to you and why you've made that decision to do that because you yeah. have kept fees incredibly low and affordable mm. um yes so i moved to india two and a half years ago because my ex-boyfriend got a job there and it was the best thing that ever happened and it like could not wait to go and do it and i quit my london career and i had no idea what i was going to do and we kind of worked out between us that I could potentially volunteer or I could train to be a yoga instructor or all of these things. And <laughs> I kind of laugh now looking back on it, how my friends and family like nodded along really sweetly when I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like go and, you know, find myself and like read books and like maybe volunteer a bit. And like, I've always worked 14 hour days and they must've just been like, whatever, like she's so delusional, but sure. <laughs> so I kind of went thinking that this was going to be a chunk of my life that I was going to give to someone who need, like, like I'd done, you know, I'd, I'd had a lot of time for me and I'd was financially secure, partly because I was living in India, which is a cheap place to live. Um, and I was sharing a UK salary. Um, so I really had that in my head that like, it was something I wanted to do. And then that became a little unviable um, in that, like, I was very quickly going to go stir crazy. So I started freelancing and, and then got very, very swept up into that. But it's kind of always gnawed at me that I don't feel OK about that. And I don't. I don't need, you know, I want to, I want to build a good lifestyle from the business and I want to build a good life for my team, but I don't need anything silly um so it was just a really fundamental like it's a fundamental question for me on how i can make everything we do supportive i'm really proud of the like delhi london connection we have 
um, we've launched the coffee club in Delhi, which again, like very, very tiny. But in February, we had a launch party just before Corona hit. Um, so there's like a tiny, tiny little bit of awareness in Delhi and there's a WhatsApp group and like, you know, mini connections and occasionally some of our Delhi community pop up on events. Um, and Hope, who was my first employee in November, who is a extraordinary kindred soul, who is also a British girl living in Delhi. Um, and weirdly, we met for a coffee. So that's a whole other story. But anyway, we met for a coffee and the last job she had was working for an arts community. And I was like, sorry, you're a British girl living in Delhi who's also already worked for a community. Like, I can't cope with this. Like, something, something strange has like landed in my, on my plate. Um, so we both have this like strong connection between the two worlds. And so it's just felt like a really logical conclusion that wherever we possibly can, so we have lots of different kind of bits of revenue and wherever we can by revenue stream, we just fix this idea of a 10% tithe. And I, it's actually like taken straight from the Christian idea of a tithe, because I think if you just from day one, make that a rule, then you never question that rule. It never becomes a decision. It's never a hard decision. It's just the way you've always done it. And so the way you will do it and you never notice the difference. Um, so that's kind of why we got there. And then, um, then there's, there's actually two charities we're supporting. Um, and I can't remember what it says on our website, which may be that we're not supporting the one I said we are, but we kind of move it between and it's all very small grassroots organizations that we have personal connections with. So there's two at the moment that we're working with. One is a, um, social enterprise, uh, charity in, central Delhi that teaches adults core development skills like IT and accounting and maths and whatever and it's like based out of this tiny 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 room um in a estate just behind a very very affluent part of Delhi and so it kind of just epitomizes for me this like bizarre culture clash that exists in the Indian culture um, and then the other is a um women's group in Assam um, and I ran 30 kilometers on my 30th birthday to raise money for them um, and it's about supporting women to set up very very small scale holdings so literally raising money to buy pigs so that the women i know it's hilarious i'll send you the stats afterwards but like i got this amazing email being like you have funded x number of pigs and i was like wow life goal that i never knew i had met <laughs> um, but it's about giving women like money to buy seeds money to have pigs so that they can begin to build up their own small holdings. I love that. I love that. I love the idea of the tithing that is built into the structure of the business. It's not something you should question. It's just, that's it. That's what we do. That's what we're about. And that they're such unique charities that are close to you and have personal, you have personal connections to that help communities that you've lived in. Yeah, that's the aim. Um, and it's, you see a lot of companies sort of talk about like their charitable givings and sometimes it feels a little bit, I don't know what the word is, contrived a little, but with Copy Club, it's, you go and you sign up and it's, yeah, the fee is five pounds a month, but we're ad adding on 50p so that we can, give this money to charity and you're so open about it but it's not it's not a marketing thing it's a it's just a structural thing that's exactly it 
like it's structural to us and our recruitment works on the same. So we have like a matchmaking service, which is our version of recruitment and that works on the same premise. Um, and it's not really, it's just put on the bottom of the invoice. Like it's not really a big deal, but I think that comes back to this tithe, tithe ethos. Like just don't let it be a big deal. Yeah. There'll be moments where we'll like make a song and dance about it for sure. Like in May and June, we did a big campaign to support the migrant crisis in Delhi because it was just, it was just so real that I couldn't, I just felt like compelled to do something more public. Um, but on the whole, as you say, structural, not marketing. Fantastic. I'm just going to flip back, totally go from like such a serious conversation into <laughs> how I love how you market Copy Club because I don't know about you, but if I tend to, if you go and look for memberships to join or communities to join, you'll end up having like a whole sales funnel of emails that you know you're in a sales funnel launch sequence. And then you'll get a lot of Facebook retargeting ads or Instagram retargeting ads. But Copy Club doesn't do any of that. And my journey to you guys was through someone else that recommended you. And I find that a really nice way of finding something. Yeah, um, I do joke that we're like the worst marketed marketing organization. Um, <laughs> as in, we didn't have a website until a year ago, which I always think never, like never trust an agency with a sexy website because my view is that they're not, especially on a small scale, I'm like, but aren't they busy doing actual work? At least that's my excuse. Um, and then when I have a sexy website, I'll be like, don't trust anyone who doesn't have a sexy website. <laughs> um, I... Yeah, well, I'm really proud of the fact that all of our, so we have three, over 3,000 people who subscribe to our newsletter and every single one of them has been referred by someone. So it makes things feel quite special. And I'm a bit biased, but I think the people who turn up and get stuck in, so like the, the members who I know and I like know everyone's names and we've never met before, but I absolutely know who you are and like have you in my phone book and went to WhatsApp you and was like, oh, of course we've chatted. Um, and the fact that the fact that it works like that, I think means that we have the most kind of hungry, eager to learn bunch because it's one thing to get tipped off on something. It's another thing to sign up. It's a third thing to throw yourself in. And again, that just makes this like self-fulfilling prophecy of completely biased, but I think a really special group. I think so. I would totally agree with you that there is every so often I'm like, oh my God, I've discovered this really cool thing called Coffee Club. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to tell them about it because it's so good. I kind of want to keep it to myself like a secret and then I can look really shiny and smile. <laughs> I've done all the stuff on there. But I don't because... That we may need to work on. <laughs> but I don't because I know that communities work by inviting the right people in. And, and then I think how much better would telling this other freelancer about it or this other marketing person I met that actually they should go and join this community and get stuck in because... Sorry, that's my Google notification going mental. Oh, that's all right. My, mine does that like 10 minutes before I'm the meeting. Um, but that's, you know, it's that thing of the more people you invite into the community, the stronger it will be. So I guess my question in all that is, is that your marketing plan for it all to be word of mouth? Um, the only way I can answer that honestly is to say I have no idea. I like that honest answer. <laughs> uh, today, yes. Yeah. However, 
I really want to grow and I want more people to know what we do and I want to be able to do more and that means we need to find more members and more people on our courses and more people using our matchmaking and more people using our consulting so I don't know how we're going to do that scale and I'll never say never but I think you're right that there's something very special about word of mouth and I also see it in the data it's not just it's not just anecdotal we had an amazing write-up a couple of years ago in marketing week like the press coverage of dreams um it was this like big feature called the new networking and it was basically like half a page of me just like waxing lyrical about how shit I think networking is and but like I honestly couldn't have asked for a better piece of coverage and my LinkedIn inbox the next morning was insane but I don't think anyone turned up to anything oh my goodness I don't know that but like I it did not convert if we're going to use technical language into like emotionally engaged members and so I'm highly cynical that any traditional scaling tactics is going to result in what we value which is not numbers but uh community engagement and like the act of participation um and that's that's what we track like all of our internal metrics where we have them caveat is quite shambolic um is about how many people have come to events how many new people have come to events how many people have asked questions in our forums how many people have joined a course i don't actually care about um kind of peripheral participation like i want i want people to have enough of an emotional connection that they are doing something about it and that's that's one of the key reasons why we moved to a paywall model we introduced a membership fee now two months ago only because it was about creating a smaller community that had more of an emotional affiliation to what we were doing i love that and i really find that interesting of what you're saying because one of the things that i think we need more of and that marketing people need more of is that to go back to the basics it's about conversations with people it's not about big numbers and nameless things it's people like to feel like they know something and know some another person behind it like i was so so excited you were putting a, a paywall up i was so excited to give you my money i was like yes they're doing this they can have my money every month because to me it feels like i'm supporting something that you do mm. and it's a, a way that i can help fund mm. <laughs> your face was like hmm that's interesting I was literally like, can I introduce you to a lot of people you can say that to? <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Can but, I roll you out as hype girl for us? <laughs> when you sent me that WhatsApp, because you were asking about people who'd worked on membership sites before, and you'd sent me that WhatsApp and told me what you're doing, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for. This is exactly what I need. There's going to be all these people in here that I can bounce ideas off, that have probably have way more experience than me and different perspectives on business and this is just going to be amazing 
Excellent. Well, it's getting there. It's, it's early days. It's early, early days, but we are getting there. And um, uh, yeah, I think we can do something really powerful. Yeah, I think I think there is something quite. I think there's a psychological thing of putting something behind a paywall. That the people you get involved are the people who want to be there and want to make that commitment to be there. Because mm. it's easy enough to sit on when it was the WhatsApp group, and then every so often when you needed something, just send a message then rather than offer support to other people. Whereas yeah. because you pay money, you, you, your feed goes out once a month, you're like, oh, all right, I'll go check what's happening in there, and you can offer help if you have it or just sit and watch and listen to the conversation sorry i'm whittering on now it's great to hear the other thing i like that you guys do is there's not an overload of content on your site it's not you know the big we must put out something every single day content marketing it's very focused and it's very helpful to your audience which I think is really good. Was that intentional or is that a time thing? Um, <laughs> I, look, I have dreams of incredible content that, that solves all the questions that we're all asking each other. Um, we just don't have bandwidth to make it happen. And I think it's pragmatism. Um, but it comes back to your, if our only, you know, if our only acquisition strategy, and I'm doing like inverted commas because that feels uncomfortable to me, is word of mouth, then we don't need content marketing. We, we need content as value for our members. And the members are actually the best at giving each other value content. So I think the way I see that is like, how can we encourage members to share what they're loving to read more? Not how do we make more content? We don't, we don't need to make it. We just need to help curate it. And I think as a, as a group of discerning people in this field, we could probably curate it for each other better than we could on your behalf. Um, so that's where I think we'll go with content. I love that attitude. I really do. Because I think because there's so much of people creating content because they feel they should and not questioning what purpose it has or why they're actually doing it. I think we've got into a world where there's just an online world where there's too much content and most of it is utter rubbish and doesn't even need to be there. Totally. And like, that's why we go back to a folk, like we go back to a structure of if you've got a question, either ask it or ask us to host an event on it because you don't need generic advice. You, you were, you know, yeah, there are problems you can solve with a Google, but, uh, but that, but those, but we're all bright enough to have done that. So it's not like anyone's going to be posting something they haven't already Googled. Um, or if they have, it's that they don't understand what's coming back to them and they need it to be framed differently. So that when no, we're not playing like an SEO game and we never, we'll never, that's, that'll never be relevant for us. I don't think. I love that. I do. <laughs> I, I, but I think that, that's what it is. Excuse me. That you're going against, not going against, you're doing things differently. You're not, it's not, it's not cookie cutter. It's, it's what works for you. And that, that attracts the correct audience and the right group. 
yeah, we are trying to do things differently. <clears throat> um, we're very resource strapped um, because we run like behind the scenes, we do an awful lot of consulting work and that's basically how the business operates. The, the community itself is, I mean, let's be honest, running very small intimate events that are highly affordable is the world's worst business model. I was me the place and I was sat there going, I think they should charge more. They're never going to make money from this. Exactly. I was like, sorry, this is not going to work. I'm like, yeah, no, I know. And I say it really bright eyed and they're like, what is wrong with you? Um, I don't, I want to build a community. I don't want to, I'm not, you know, that's, that's not there. And actually, interestingly, there are long, long, long term ways that it might make financial sense, but that's not the objective. I did this for six years as my hobby and I made like on a good month, 70 quid, which I paid for my own dinner. Like that is not, you know, with that, we need to support our team, which is why we're moving to the membership model. And the courses do are like a little bit more expensive though I still think they're incredibly affordable and if we ever have feedback that they're not we'll address that and take that really seriously but because they're a meaty proposition it kind of helps um but we but we do a lot of consulting and that means that while we look like a big team we're actually a very very stretched team um so lots of it's just driven by pragmatism and like minimum viable product always like we're always we're always going to be changing and that's this year has been such a testament to that like we've torn up so much and so i never want to build anything i'm not afraid to tear apart that's fantastic that is such a a good piece of advice to never build anything that you're not afraid to tear apart yeah i really live by it i think obviously it depends on what you're doing <laughs> but um i think if you're doing anything digital just forget the idea of it being finished just it's not a thing and just see it as an evolution see it as like another step knowing that you'll have to take a step afterwards excellent i love that so you, you might have just already answered my next question these it's the last two questions that i'm asking every, absolutely everybody sure. is what's your one tip you'd give to a business owner that they need to do with their content with their content yeah or their marketing um this is generic but I wouldn't say it if I didn't think everyone got it wrong. And that's only make stuff that your audience actually wants to see. And I think a lot of small businesses get way too wrapped up in themselves and completely lose touch with the role that they play for their customer, which is, let's be honest, really insignificant. Most of the time, we are just like another brand in another inbox on another Tuesday morning in the rain. And no one gives a fuck about your like 15th new flavor. Um, so I think just, just like really think about your audience first, which we should all be doing, but we don't do. I'm as guilty of it as anyone else. I think Copy Corp is testament to that from the whole conversation we've just had and those feedback sheets that you've sent out to all your members to do and I will hold my hand up I haven't done it yet come on Fiona we need your feedback <laughs> it's on my to-do list okay my other question this is this is one of those silly ones this is like um and what's it not bear versus badger off the pot bitch one and um, bit but more sensible than that if your cup of tea because i'm gonna call in this the brew time podcast 
tea bag first or milk first? And I'm interested oh, because you've okay. lived in India. Yeah, okay, so I saw this when you sent it over to me in advance and it actually just made me like chuckle out loud because I have such a extensive um, healthy debate with my flatmate in Delhi about this. I am tea bag first and then milk and controversially, I drink my tea with the tea bag in. I know, I know it's bold and I appreciate that it might not be everyone's thing, but that's my approach. I like a really strong cup of tea with the tea bag in. My flatmate, which is just like heinous, has a um, tea bag, tea bag after the hot water, and then like half a cup of milk. So it's basically like cream, just like literally like a terrible, terrible cup of tea. And um, it made me laugh because we've been living apart since February to our sadness, and our favorite thing is to make each other our both very, very different cups of tea. <laughs> uh, so it's a lovely question. I love that. I love that you have a very northern cup of tea. Yeah, I know. For like a posh London girl. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. My mum would be appalled. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, thank you. I didn't get to ask. I knew I wouldn't get to ask you half the questions. And I was oh. worried. So when I sent them, I'm like, I've probably just overwhelmed her with all these questions. No, 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 no. I mean, no, I read it. Um, oh, yeah. No, it's been fantastic. And thank you so much for... You've actually given me loads of ideas and loads of feedback, so thank you. I just want to say a huge thanks to Lottie for giving me her time and chatting on today's episode. I hope you got lots out of it. I know I did, and it was just really great to get such wonderful insights from, from Lottie. Please do go check out the Copy Club. I've left the link to, to, to the Copy Club in the show notes and to all the other wonderful things that Lottie and the team are up to. It really is. I, I'm not joking when I say it was the best thing I did for my business last year. It's such a, a wonderful community. And I kind of do really want to keep it like the best kept secret. But I think the more people that join, the more amazing the community will become. So go and check it out. See if it's for you. There's the link in there. Next week on the Brew Time podcast is a mini-sode and I will be talking about how long it actually takes to repurpose your content. So if you've been considering repurposing your content or you're feeling totally overwhelmed, especially at the moment in lockdown, with how much content you've got to put out and you just don't have the time to do it, next week's episode is a quickie but a goodie and um, it'll be great for you to tune in and listen to so I will see you then